Hello and welcome back to the latest edition of the Omni Talk Fast Five. It is March 13th, 2020, and I've got a bottle of Gatorade, a cup of coffee, a full thing of water. We are staying hydrated. I'm in doing my this best. This day and age. I've got all bases covered today. You've, you've got to have all bases covered today, yes. It's just Ann and I, for those loyal listeners out there. Ann and I are holding down the fort. It's pretty quiet in the third house, it's pretty quiet in Minneapolis. Carter, Emma, we miss you. We hope you're staying safe and well. Uh, Emma, back wherever you are, since the University of Minnesota is now not in session. Right. Uh, And Carter, you as well at home with the family. So, man, what a wild, wild week. And how are you holding up? Doing okay. I mean, trying to, you know, follow all the directions, wash the hands, stay healthy, get sleep, you know. Just trying to trying to remain calm. How about you? Yeah, you know, I gotta tell you that don't touch your face when you're a nail biter is kind of a tough task. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it's kind of a tough task. Just don't touch and your I face. Just in, did it there. <laughs> don't touch your face in general. I think for most of us is something that we're learning. Yeah. Like it's been pretty crazy. Yeah. So and all the jokes have been made. So I don't know that I have any new. Uh, material to add on that front. I think either, that's good but, uh, for everyone involved. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes, exactly. Although you, uh, so let's let's get to, let's let's get to something more provocative in the world of retail. Let's try mm-hmm. to keep this fresh, keep it happening. You had a cool post on social media this week in regards to Amazon. For those that didn't see it, I'd love for you to explain what that was. Yeah. So I ordered an incorrect printer cartridge, as one does. Oh, yeah. And that's a tough thing to purchase correctly, right? A printer cartridge? <laughs> are you joking or are you <laughs> sort of. <laughs> okay. Well it is. Aren't they all numbered? <laughs> Let me tell you. They are, but we have okay. a brand new printer, so Thank you. Yeah, I'll, right. I'll just keep monitoring all the administrative <laughs> office stuff and have you keep all right, telling yeah, me how... Have, then how, it'll be at worst. Yeah, <laughs> tell me how simple it is. Yeah, right. Uh, anyway, so I went to go return something at Amazon or on my Amazon app, and I saw something amazing. You can now return Amazon products at Whole Foods, which I had... Did you know about that? Or has... I feel like we should... This must be somewhat new. I feel like I do this on a somewhat regular basis, but I, well, there were two things I didn't. I mean, I didn't know that that was a. I didn't know that that was a regular occurrence. And then also, like, I think the other key part is that um, you don't even have to have a box, right? Like, you can just no show up with like. Let me paint the picture for oh, you. Please paint that picture. So we had an event at Third House. I had to go to the grocery store anyway. I also needed dinner for my kids, and I had to get some things. And I was able to roll up to Whole Foods, which I probably wouldn't have gone to. It's not the most convenient. Also, key point, I have a UPS store five blocks from my house that I can walk to. You do. But instead, I went to Whole Foods, brought this package up. It w- it happened in like less than 60 seconds. They made the transaction possible. Like, I didn't even have to say anything. She's like, Amazon return? Click. Ding. I was gone. Nothing. No. Really? Not like... How- th- how do they know it was you? Like, what did you have to do? You have a barcode that they give you. You can print off okay. or you can, or it's on your Amazon app. So you okay, just, it's in your app. they just scan the barcode and they take the things. There's no questions, a single one. And comparing that to the, the Kohl's experience that I've had where you're returning it at Kohl's, that's like a five minute ordeal of right. just dealing with the right Kohl's person yeah. or whatever. But I mean, I was able to get food. I spent $40 there. Yeah, right. And I Which wasn't you wouldn't in, have gone there before. No yeah. way. Um, so and, you got like an avocado? No, that <laughs> was the kidding. other crazy thing, though, is that 
the prices there and non-organic produce. So it's been a little while since I've shopped Whole Foods outside of their like heat and eat. And they have non-organic produce there, which is somewhat new to me. Really? Okay. And price points. Like to put it in perspective, they have 19 cent bananas there that are non-organic. And then they have the 23 cent organic bananas right next to them. Okay. They also have things like you know, produce, but then also like some of their fish and other things where they used to be like wild caught flown in today is now alongside like farm raised rainbow trout that is eleven ninety nine a pound, which that wasn't the case. So some interesting things so, are happening at Whole Foods uh once you get that person in there to make that Amazon return that I think are going to be pretty indicative of what a potential Amazon grocery store yeah, could be. So they're taking it down market. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean you mentioned UPS, which I think is is always hilarious. Like on a scale of zero to ten, what do I prefer UPS and, and what the experience you just described? Regardless of where Amazon and Whole Foods falls, UPS is like a negative five to me. <laughs> um you know, and it's literally just a step above the post office. And I think a lot of what we're talking about sometimes in this reshaping of retail is just, you know, what is the new post office experience? Forget totally. retail. Uh, and how can that just be better? But yeah, I don't know. That's fascinating. The other thing is too, we are starting to hear some rumors, nothing confirmed yet, but just some rumors that things might not be going that well out in LA right? in terms of the new Whole Foods store too. You've been digging into that for a while. Been trying to dig into it, still trying to figure out what's going on. I got to tell you, there's a, there's a few warning signs for me already with this. Number, what, like, yeah, what are they? Well, number one, like I think it's cool all the stuff they're doing at Whole Foods, but that's already existing, right? Think of the experimentation they've done so far. Amazon Go. Well, it was all they've. Uh, it's all started in Seattle, both the first effort and now the latest 10,000 square foot effort. Oftentimes, they're closed the employees before they open so they can get the kinks out. This one, you're opening up in LA. It's 30 plus thousand square feet. Mm -hmm. It's pretty far away. And now you're starting to include the traditional, from all looks and uh, from the sounds of it, it's a pretty conventional experience. So you're going to start to include perishables, fresh meats, produce, like all that stuff is pretty hard to do. I mean, look at how hard of a time Target right here in our backyard has had doing grocery. It's not something you just pick up easily. And then they're... The landscape has been littered with grocers who haven't been successful trying to do the same thing over the past, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. Mm -hmm. So this is a pretty aggressive task. And then the other things I don't like about it, there's no, no it doesn't sound like there's an app built into the experience in, for you to get in, mm -hmm. which I think creates a, a good psychological separation. And then also, unlike Amazon Go, where you just walk in and it's meant to be a quick trip and you take, you know, you just take something off the shelf, your hands are kind of free, you know, mm -hmm. and you've been in it, we've been in together yeah. and like you're moving here, you're going to have a cart, you're going to have your phone with you, you can scan prices, what are the prices going to look like in that store versus all the different options for fulfillment that you have, you know, by way of Amazon, how's that going to work? Right. If they start shipping from the store, what are the prices there? All those things. There's a lot of just dissonance here that I'm really shocked that the first thing they're doing is they're doing it in LA, away from Seattle, and they're doing it so open to the public to begin with. So I don't know. Do you think I'm crazy? Kind of sounds like a regular grocery store. Right. I mean, it does. Yeah. And if it does, like, that's going to be pretty disappointing. And then if it doesn't yeah. work, it's going to be really disappointing. But maybe they're not afraid of that. Maybe they're just like, hey, we'll try it. And if it doesn't work, we'll shut it down. Yeah. Total, we'll see. Total Amazon style. All right. I am actually pretty pumped. I think even though this week has been not a very cool week, to say the <laughs> least. Um, I love that description. Uh, yeah, right. It's cold in Minneapolis, I guess, as usual. Um, but we've got some fun stories today. Like we're going to hit, we're going to hit flit. This is always hard to say. I hate F, double F alliteration is tough. <laughs> Fleet feet. Yep. Stitch Fix. Got it. Burlington. 
Oh, yeah. Some stories from Ikea. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we're going to finish off with some other really important Amazon news. But first, we're going to give a shout out to our sponsors. And then Anne is going to have to say fleet feet 10 times fast. I don't fast. think I'm going to have as many problems as that, <laughs> Probably we'll, not. We'll see. That's true of most things in life <laughs> relative to each other. Trigo is developing the most advanced AI and computer vision-based checkout-free system for the grocery industry. Using standard cameras and proprietary algorithms, Trigo converts real-sized stores, introducing a frictionless shopping experience. Together with Tesco, Trigo is currently piloting the world's largest checkout-free store. To learn more, visit www.trigo.tech. And also Insignia. Insignia is a leader in in in-store and mobile marketing. Forward-looking and nimble, Insignia pushes the boundaries for others to follow. With a suite of tactics, including signage, merchandise, display, and mobile, Insignia is the right partner to attract new shoppers and grow your business. Insignia, be discovered. All right, Anne, let's do this. Fleet feet. Fleet feet. I know you love this story. Chris, I love this story. Chris I can't and I wait. got into a heated debate while on the treadmill running, talking about this. And Chris was, did as usual, it, save it. I did. Save it. Especially on the treadmill, like because you're so much better shaped than me and I was dying. Anyway. I'm like, I can't talk retail right now, Anne. You can always talk retail. That's true. All right. Fleet Feet unveils an inventoryless store concept this week. So the specialty running chain based in Portland, Fleet Feet, has debuted this new retail format that combines personalized in-store fittings with rapid home delivery. So the Fleet Feet Drop Shop concept, it has 3D foot scanning technology, personalized outfitting experience with free two-day home delivery. Uh, the single store that they're testing this in, it carries try-on samples of the top men's and women's 35 shoe models in every size that they come in. So once you go in, you try the shoe on, you can do any of these 3D um, shoe fitting technology experiments. The, comp- the employee that you're working with places the order and the customer will get that within two days. No, no shipping charge at all. Chris... Why do you love this? So why do much? I love it? I'm almost curious why do you hate it, but I'll go first. I don't maybe hate you don't it. hate it. Yeah. yeah, I shouldn't say that. Why I'm are you less enthusiastic about it? Better. Thank I, you. I think it is kind of funny. Maybe I don't think ironic is the right word, but I'm going to say it that we were talking about this story while on a treadmill, by the way. Yes. But here's why I love this story because this process is actually fraught with friction and can be improved. So, like, here's how it works today, or at least my experience of it. You go into the store, you want to buy a running shoe. Yes. Okay, here's how it works. You, you're you pretty much at the mercy of who's going to help you. Sometimes it's the kid who's on the track team who basically may or may not even know that he's there in the store <laughs> if you catch my drift. He's getting free shoes out of the deal. Yeah. yeah, or if you're lucky, you get the really old guy who's been doing it for a really long time and has a qualitative sense of how all this stuff should work. Mm-hmm. And so then you try on some shoes and they put you on a treadmill and they watch your gait. Mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. That is really subjective. It's a subjective process. And then for the retailer perspective, like they help you with that, you do all the work and then you go home and you buy it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. So it sucks. Mm-hmm. So what I love about this is I think you can actually use technology to make this simpler and also more objective and more efficient for everyone. So I love the idea of the foot scan. Mm-hmm. Like get the scan of my foot because then you literally should know over time, maybe not right away, but over time, which shoes fit my feet the best. Mm -hmm. And then over time, I also could see this going the road. doesn't sound like it is there yet, but you could actually get on that treadmill and you could use probably computer vision-based technology to say more definitively and pretty easily at a low cost, 
what is happening with my foot? Mm-hmm. Is it what we thought in this shoe based yeah. on the size of my shoe? And so I think that makes a ton of sense. And then from a purchase perspective, I think what you do is you try to make this really unique and you say the shoes that are here, if you want, we just went through this with you. It's very specified. The only place you can get this specific degree of information is through us. So you better purchase. And I think you can keep a hold on that mm-hmm. so that your your channels of distribution of where people can get that product uh, can be very unique to Flea Feet if they're smart about it. So I don't know. That's my argument. I'm curious, you know, did I convince you? Like, where, where are we at here? Are you just still like, yeah, no, I'm... I don't know. I, right. I I agree with you on one, give me a reason to come to your store. I think that's huge. Having the technology to do a 3D scan of my foot versus somebody's subjective opinion after watching me run on a treadmill. Yes. And by the way, the fact that Fleet Feet is even still around given everything that's going on, that's what kudos I mean. to them, right? Yeah. But I think the problem lies in the fact that Fleet Feet is getting this from a distribution center. And if you talk about the real mom and pop running places where you're going for these experiences, they don't have those distribution centers. They maybe have two or three stores. And so I question like how effective this this model would be for the rest of them. So that you're, I think this is helping fleet feet and above, but I don't think like fleet feet and below, it's going to make that much of a difference. What do you mean when you say fleet feet and below? I'm not sure I'm following. Like, I guess I'm thinking of of like the local running stores here that, that carry these shoes. Like they're- Oh, a non-national chain. A non-national chain. Like yeah. this works if you have distribution centers where you can plug in an order and you don't yeah, have to have agreed. the square footage of the store and the inventory, the back of house space. I think the cool things that this could allow for are what technology brought into the space for creating an objective opinion, the expectation from consumers that maybe I don't need to have those shoes today. I'm using, I'm going into my loyal like running store that um, I trust for their perspective in conjunction with technology. Technology. Yeah. And I think you're you're missing the big like community element that that space provides too. So I think we're seeing this move. People are getting they're doing more in store activations to get people in the store. So to me, it's not as big of a deal. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, but this is funny. This is this is why I love doing this show with you and everyone else too, because you'll 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 argue the counter, and then you say something that's really brilliant that makes me actually reposition or even I think strengthen the argument. Which oh, is great. no, I'm serious. Like, which is awesome. Like. The point you just got to is also, and we're going to touch on this later, Yeah, is if you actually go into these experiences, the treadmills are all different, the, the experience is different. If you can figure this out as Fleet Feet, you could actually license the technology related to the experience design of these shops sure. to anyone, sure. or you, the industry could consolidate around this. So I think, you know, tangentially, you're hitting on, I think something's super interesting. Now, because of the week that it is, I think we also have to do this. We're going to say Fleet Feet together. 10 times fast. Are you ready? I'm absolutely not doing that. Please, <laughs> oh, come on. Please go to story oh, number two. Oh my gosh, you broke the rule of improv. All right, story number and two. And no. <laughs> yes, agree and say no. Okay. All right, sticks. Oh man, Stitch Fix. <laughs> what is the deal with these stories this week? Stitch Fix shares cratered more than 35% as sales missed and their outlook disappointed. So according to CNBC, Stitch Fix also said, reported second quarter sales for the fiscal 2020 that missed analyst estimates. And their shares, as a result of the news, dropped 35% in after-hours trading. 
after hours trading, as was also said, and they tanked by as much as 43% at one point in time. And this, just so everyone is aware, all happened before there was even more significant noise in the stock market later in the week. Right Now, the company said that it witnessed, quote, heightened promotional activity across retail during the holidays. They said their customers were spending less per order on average, resulting in lower order values. But- and I think this one's interesting too, and Anne, I can't wait to get your take on it. The company also expressed confidence, because what company doesn't express confidence? <laughs> Especially in a call after earnings <laughs> Right. We feel good about our strategy. And the new direct buy feature that it launched last year, which it expects will help ease pressure on margins. Essentially what that is, is it means they now have an, customers on Stitch Fix's website now have an option to browse and buy individual items outside of just receiving their quote-unquote fix in a box. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's much to say here other than Stitch Fix has reached a peak and the trend is now moving to resale and using or buying uh, used goods. And I think even like Rent the Runways shifted to a buy the dress model. So you can buy some of the dresses that have been through the cycle. Like, you don't need a box of clothes shipped to you every single month anymore. Like people are just in, you know what the other weird thing is? So I've been doing a lot more thrift shopping, I would say, and just as trying to be more conscious about what I'm Mm -hmm. putting into the landfills. As you try to be more millennial. Yeah, obviously. So millennial. Yeah, for sure. But you know what I see more often than not in these stores? And maybe it's just around our house, but it's all these Stitch Fix products. Like they still have Stitch Fix tags like affixed to them. Seriously? And it's Now this is anecdotal, everyone. It's yes. anecdotal for sure. But I was I mean, I've been pretty surprised by it. So seeing this information and seeing that people are like, Yeah, I probably don't need to spend, you know, seventy dollars a month getting clothes that are just gonna end up in the goodwill. So yeah. it, or they're too lazy to return it to or something. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have two questions for you on this. Yes. I think one is because you would understand this better than I do. Do we really need subscription clothing? I've never quite understood that. Like, why do I need that? Because I've tried it a couple times. I know you have too. Yeah. Like, why is that something we really need? I think that the there's there's still a benefit to this, and I'll say this till the day I die. Like, there's still a benefit in having a stylist help you sure. select clothing that you wouldn't ordinarily try. You get into your patterns. So I think that angle right. of Stitch Fix is great. And they're not really a subscription service. True. That's true. You pay like by the box. And then, right. Yeah. So it is a little different. Right. Yeah. It's I trying... always get that wrong. So yes. I apologize, Stitch Fix, because I know you're listening and you have corrected me in the past. Yes. But I think that the key thing to pay attention to is like that, that will... that. It's not a reason to get a new box of clothes every month, though. I mean, it's just people are being, I think, much more conscientious about where they're spending their money and how they're spending their money. And now this messaging is being blasted in our faces about how quickly landfills are filling up. And it's just yeah. it's a wasteful yeah. thing. So, well, I think the other smart qu- for them to figure something else out. Yeah, I think the other thing here, though, too, I think there's a canary in the coal mine on this one. I, I really do. Like, I'm pretty I'm pretty worried about it. This direct buy feature that scares the hell out of me. And I'll tell you why. That means that to me is a leading indicator that, that you need you need margin, you need some profit, that mm-hmm. your current line of business ain't doing it. Name for me on one hand the number of successful e-commerce only direct to consumer apparel companies that there are. Uh, I'm gonna need a minute. Like it's hard. Yeah. So you're now betting on something that doesn't freaking work. Hmm. And why are you doing that? That scares me 
a lot. Yeah. If I'm an investor, personally, if I'm an investor. Sure. So I don't know. I think this, I think because you can't, you can't name it. I mean, there's a few, but like, especially when you're selling other people's products. Right. Right. That's going to be a tough game. Yeah. And so I don't know. I think we'll keep a close eye on this, but the stocks, you know, the stock definitely took its hit. It's to continue to take a hit. I checked today, significant hit today, but so is everyone else. Um, so it'll be, it'll be an interesting one to watch. This uh, is making for really great podcast content, trying to make me say fleet feet 10 times and then putting some question like that on me in the last minute. It's, it's great. That was a good working, one though, right? It's working out really yeah, well. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's good. I mean, I think, uh, no, I think that's a really important question for people to, to ponder and that's why we do this and hopefully everyone does too. So, all right. I think this is another one. I think we're actually gonna have a really good conversation here too, in a very similar vein. All right. Well, story number three, uh, Burlington has announced that they're going to shut down their e-commerce site and focus solely on physical stores. They reported fourth quarter sales and earnings that beat uh, Wall Street estimates, but company executives have said that they're going to wind down e-commerce operations, which only account for 0.5% of total sales and focus on growing bricks and mortar business. Uh, They currently offer 720 stores in 45 states and Puerto Rico, and they're planning on opening 80 new stores uh, this next year. Yeah, that blew me away. 80 new Burlington stores this year. And they're closing, what, 26? I think 26. Yeah, they're closing 26, but it doesn't surprise me. I mean, you look at Ross is opening 100 new stores this year, too. I think it's right. smart. I mean, it's part ne- of that trend. And then conversely, Neiman Marcus is closing all of their off-price retail stores. So I think this is a trend that will continue. They're going where they're strong. There's still the desire for the treasure hunt. And it's a ton of work. Have you? I don't know if you've been on the Burlington e-commerce site, but it's a pretty clunky experience. I think that model of doing e-commerce for the off-price you know, store experience is really difficult. The only people that I've seen that are doing that really well are people like Nordstrom and maybe Saks or some of these other places, but they have the like flagship Multiple business. Multiple properties. Right. They're, they have to do it for their, their Nordstrom.com site. So Nordstrom Rack gets to benefit from that. But doing this on your own when you're just a solo uh, off-price retailer is, is difficult. So where are you on this? I'm curious. Because this has gotten a lot of uh, debate on social media. And I've seen some, you know, a lot of people that I have a ton of respect for. Um talk about both sides of this what uh what's your take are you thumbs up or thumbs down on this uh i'm thumbs up on it yeah i, I think it makes sense i think i am too uh and here's why and i've, I've seen a lot of people um uh say on say on social media like oh well get ready for your funeral like you know that's just the way things are going and i think that point is right but i think that point misses the context like it's okay in my opinion to invest in digital mm-hmm but it, if it has a point, otherwise it's just a distraction. Yeah. And and as you were saying, it, it's just a really hard thing to do well. So why do it? Like if you don't have the answer of how this business, this off-price business should work online, which I don't really think that many, I don't think anyone does. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't tell you who does. And if you can out there, please let us know what you think. But then why invest in it? Figure out what the uh, Figure out what the next answer is. So that would be, I guess, my caveat where maybe I'm like kind of in the middle is, Okay, don't do this, but what are you doing? I mean, we've talked, I've written for Forbes about how you could disrupt the in-store experience. Mm-hmm. Where is that, right? Like, I hope that's somewhere in the t- somewhere in the cards in terms of your plans and not just opening up 80 stores of the same thing. Right. You know, or is there some other digital fresh start that you can put on this uh, that might get at longer term how all this could work? So I think it's a smart move, but the question would be, what else is going on behind the curtain? I think... I love it because 
you know, when we talk about what is the department store and what's the future of the department store, the Burlington spaces, the Rosses, these places still serve a very important need in in our community. They Absolutely. Can still, they can provide low-cost necessities from everything from home goods to, you know, kids' shoes and clothes for school to outfitting parents for mm-hmm. a professional and leisure attire. Like, there's a, there's a very specific need that they serve. People know with confidence they can go to this Burlington and they can get the things that they need to get. Um, and so I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that e-commerce is important to them right now. I think they're one of the few businesses that people will still go to and will feel like a sense of accomplishment after going there. Yeah, absolutely. I had this conversation with Grandma OmniTalk, actually. Mm. Uh, my mother. Yeah, uh, Mary. She, yeah, Mary. And she was, she was she's like, Chris, I don't agree with anything you're writing. I, I think the department store still matters. And I said, okay, tell me why. And I don't know why I did that voice because, Mom, you don't talk like that. I think it was just for a theater effect. She definitely doesn't. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and she was asking me, and, you know, and she's like, well, I think people still need a place to go. They want a great bargain. They want to hunt for great products at great prices. And I said, so like TJ Maxx and Ross? And she's like, oh, yeah, you're right. I guess we, we, yeah. we do have that already. But yeah. yeah, you're right. The department stores maybe don't need to be in the middle. All right. Love you, Mom. Ikea, story number four. Ikea opens a store on Tmall, expanding its presence in China. So according to Retail Touchpoints, Ikea will open its first virtual store on Alibaba's Tmall platform, and they will offer 3,500 Ikea products and home furnishing solutions. This will expand the retailer's presence in China and potentially serve as a test lab for future e-commerce expansion. It'll also give IKEA the opportunity to evaluate this new format and determine if and how third-party platforms can fit into its overall channel mix. The company also said it will explore how similar websites hmm, might fit with the brand's existing infrastructure, although they've tried that already, supply chain operations, and customer experience. There could be some interesting ties there across the world. Anne, what do you think? Uh, I think it's great. You have... 500 million people that are using the Tmall application on a regular basis. This gives them an opportunity to purchase IKEA through there. Uh, seems like a no-brainer to me. Not a lot to say beyond here. Um, you know, they already have 30 stores in China, two concept shops, a small format store. Uh, this just makes complete sense to me. Yeah, I agree too. I think you're still going to see. I mean, even though you had the, all the big news with Nike this past year, right? Nike is a different brand. It's mm-hmm. a different place. It's in a different position. I still think you're just going to see more and more people finally just bite the apple on this one and say, okay, that's how we're going to do it. The the new mall is virtual. Let's make sure our products are distributed on it, especially right. the big ones like in Alibaba and even in Amazon. And, you know, let's, especially with Ikea, I think they have an easier time of controlling, you know, who's selling what. Right. Like you're probably not going to buy Ikea from some random third-party person because mm-hmm. God knows what you're going to get right. and in what, you know, form. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and whether or not the instructions in Swedish come with it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, yeah, I'm with you. I think this one, you know, makes a ton of sense. I think, again, harbinger of, of more things to come. Well, and I think, you know, you're purchasing IKEA products with a little bit more frequency than you are your Nike shoes too. So I think there's a lot more people that need home furnishing type stuff than are needing Nikes. So... Uh, I feel like it makes a little bit more the sense. The need part I can get you get with you on it. The are you purchasing shoes as often as home furniture? I don't know about that one, but yeah. I mean We're not talking maybe. about you. That's true, you're right. That's right, that's right. It's a good uh, call, good call. Although I do like my shoes. I know. All right, let's finish it up. All right. So everybody has been talking about this all week, but Amazon has launched uh 
that or has announced that they are going to be selling their automated checkout to other retailers. Predicted here a year and a half ago. Predicted <laughs> here a year and a half ago. Yes. So, um, unlike Amazon Go, though, the important point of clarification here is that shoppers will be inserting a credit card into a gated turnstile in order to enter instead of scanning an app as they do for Amazon Go. Um, turnstiles will have a just walk out. That's what the this platform is being called. Uh, turnstiles will display that technology is from Amazon, but everything else is branded for the store that uh, those items are going to be in. So um, items are picked up by the customers. They can walk out. There are um, kiosks where they can enter in their email address if they want to get a receipt for their purchases. Otherwise, they just walk out and it bills the credit card that they entered on. So there you have it. Oh, and, and they announced their first yes, one this week, thank right? You. Yeah. yeah, I was just going to say they they already announced their first partnership with uh, OTG. So the SIBO stores in LaGuardia and New- Newark will uh, be the first ones to have this technology implemented. Thank and the, you. Yeah, where's the first one? Newark. Newark. Yes, nice. it's always good when the first thing's in Newark. Hey. Hey. It's uh, it's gonna be so, a little bit better experience. Somebody each, said on social time. media, I almost have a reason to go to Newark now. No offense, to anyone in Newark. Well. <laughs> Take it as you will. Um, yeah, I don't. What do you think? What do you think about? I mean, I think it's okay. Let me say this first. I think it's cool that it's happening. Mm-hmm. We predicted it would happen. Yep. What do you think about it on the the SIBO side or the OTG side? I think it makes sense for the airport customer. Like you, oh, totally makes the, sense for the airport customer. Airport customer, been all over that. Put your corporate card in. I one, think it's the best place for it. Quite honestly, sure, I totally yeah. agree. What you know, people, I think will have to have that expense report. So that part yep. is kind of clunky, but I think from that point on, the digital like, receipt. Yeah, it makes it Actually makes, makes it total easier. sense. Yeah, yes, it makes does. It easier. Um, uh, the problem that I have is that is there going to be this adoption in your corner bodega without the transparency that the Amazon app experience, the Go app experience provides? Like, I feel like that gives me a little bit more confidence than just sticking my credit card in and crossing my fingers that, you know, it's going to be yeah. the right things. That's a good point. I wonder how they're going to train people on this. Like, that's going to be a pretty big shift. Yeah. Uh, they're going to have to have somebody stand at the definitely stand at the kiosk and say, this is how this works. Right. Or sorry, at the entrance point. Because that was Emma's question. Emma Emma wrote in today. She was like, what happens if they deny my credit card? Right. Yeah, it's uh, a great point. Like, it's a good question. They're going to have probably have to figure that out. My guess is they're going to have to have some way to take cash too. Sure. Given some of the regulations in there, which yeah. they've already, we know, we've talked about that ad nauseum. They already have that design. But what what about strategically? Would you do this if you were, if you were them? You can see where I'm going with this, but would you do this if you were them? If you were SIBO? If you're o- OTG, which I just like saying. Well, that's my question is who are the retailers that are going to do this? Right. Like you're, they talk about big box retail. Like this is an option that you could. No Walmart or Target is going to sell their information. It, it's, it reminds me of when everything was on the AWS platform long ago. And they're like, wait, 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 just wait. the Amazon platform. Sorry, the, sorry, yeah. the Amazon platform long ago when Target and people were like, uh, wait, wait a second. We're giving our competitor all this customer information, and now they have like all of the all of the movement in the store, like every single thing. I I cannot imagine a retailer that's going to want to give that up. Okay. They won't do it for the people, that, you know, their vendors in store, let alone a competitor like Amazon that could take it and do God knows what with it. So, I don't know why you do this. Like, I really don't. There's tons of vendors that would be willing to do this probably, uh, technology solution providers, I mean, they'd probably be willing to do this at a low cost yeah. to get just get the experiment. Mm-hmm. To go and do it with Amazon 
Now you're telling them how to do something that's not their cookie cutter operation. Right. But if you study, which if you study computer vision is really one of the hard things about it because you have different dynamics with the architecture, the HVACs are in different places, the lighting's in different places, the SKU assortments are in different places. And now you're letting Amazon learn how to do all of yeah, that. Yeah, that's a great point. Across all of these different mm-hmm. people that are signing up with this. Oh, and what happens five to 10 years from now? They know how to do it better than you and they design the system and start doing it themselves, right. which is exactly what they did from 1994, 95, whatever the hell it was. And then it finally hit the fan like around 2010. Mm-hmm. Why would you do this? There's plenty of other options. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see what who they end up selling it to. Yeah. I can't wait to see who the, the rest of the list is. Cause, but airports, like we said, like that's, that's a huge market where this could work. We right. think it just has a ton of applicability. But yeah, who's that kind of on the street retailer? I can't wait to see who it is. Because if somebody fell for this, I'm, yeah. I'm going to be shocked. Now, franchising Amazon Go, on the other hand, that part of it. Dude, sign me up. <laughs> yeah, right. Sign me up if you're listening, Amazon. Sign me up. I'll be the first in line for that. All right. Well, that closes us up. Uh, thanks for sticking with us today. It was fun. And I was like, always love the banter we've got going on. It's always fun to say fleet, feet, fleet, feet, fleet, feet, just for you. And, and believe it or not... We've still got a lot of great content coming your way. So, Anne, you had an awesome podcast that released this week. I did. My interview with Amanda Brinkman, uh, the chief brand officer and the founder and uh, host of Small Business Revolution, a great conversation on what she's doing at Deluxe and how they're going into Main Street and really shaking things up and helping them understand what, uh, what retail looks like there. Yeah, right in our ethos again. You're just killing it with those interviews. The Women's Retail Collective podcasts are stellar. If you haven't listened to them, definitely encourage you to. Um, So as you are, if you haven't yet, like reviewing and subscribing to our podcasts on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on Spotify, on the platform of your choice, be sure to check out Anne's Women's Retail Collective podcast. Some really, really amazing women and just some really great anecdotes for your career. No matter who you are, I guarantee you, you're going to learn a ton. Also, fingers crossed, but Ann and I have some incredible content coming your way the week of Shop Talk. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep it keep it on the back burner for now in terms of announcing exactly what it is. Hopefully, more to come at the end of next week. But we're excited about what lies ahead there. Hopefully, some really great stuff coming your way. Again, highlighting great women in retail. So, for Ann, on behalf of Emma, the intern at home, Carter, To all of you out there, I think more important than ever, I can't say it enough, I say it every week, but be careful out there.